Listener Production. Welcome to the Motorsport Brief. It's Thursday, the 17th of August, 2023. Supercars are headed to South Australia this weekend for the OTR Super Sprint, the final stop on the tour before the endurance races begin. A few are getting over a bit of jet lag before arriving at the bend, having been in the US for Brody Kostecki and Shane Van Gisbergen's NASCAR outings in Indianapolis. And some announcements over the past week have seen the silly season for supercars shift into Top Gear. Those topics are in focus for this episode. G'day everybody, Greg Russ with you for this edition of the Rusty's Garage Shortcast. For those of you asking about our traditional feature eps, yes, we've had a little pause there to catch our breath after chalking up Ep 100. Michael Caruso joins us as we start the journey of our next 100, so keep an eye out for that on your notifications. Really cool chat, that one. What he's up to now, pairing with his good mate in Mark Winterbottom. They've known each other since they were little tackers in karting, and they'll be with Team 18 for Sandown and Bathurst, plus a fun story on his stylish interview approach when he first met Gary Rogers before being thrust straight into work for GRM, literally. In order to find a guest for this edition of the Shortcast, we kind of needed them to tick a few boxes. Immersed in the sport, works in the pit lane, commentates Super 2, among other support categories. He's respected for his neutrality, And in a win for those of you listening, he was also stateside for Brody and SVG's weekend at Indy, so we'll get stuck into that. He's a friend, colleague, a very worthy winner of the most recent Supercars Media Award too. I'm thrilled we could finally get him on. Chad Nalon, welcome to the garage. Hello, Rusty. Always good to chat to you, buddy, and uh, the many, many people who download your podcast. Thank you, mate, for joining us today. Front row seat for the whole US mission. How was that? What kind of impact did the Aussie and the Kiwi respectively have on the sport and the fans there? Oh, mate, very lucky to be able to go over there. So uh, a big thank you to Brody Kostecki and his team, including Nathan Kayser, for chucking me on the, the plane and taking me over there. So we spent a week in Charlotte. And uh, we were really immersed with uh, Richard Childress Racing, which is where Brody was driving for, and also spent quite a bit of time at the GM Tech Centre, uh, watching him on the, the crazy simulator there. And then we're off to Indy and spent about three or four nights there and, and had, like you said, the front row seat uh, at the Pagoda to watch him rip around the Brickyard, which is a pretty crazy experience. And any time you get to go to that track, I've been lucky enough to see MotoGP there, Indy 500, um, and this was something new, IndyCar on Saturday and then uh, NASCAR Sunday was was pretty exciting. What kind of impact did they have? It was huge. Like the international flavor at that event with, uh, you know, Jensen Button being there, Kamui Kobayashi, Mike Rockefeller. It didn't feel like NASCAR. It felt like sports car racing or something completely different. They've just massively embraced the international flavor of NASCAR right now. It shows you how, how crazy far that sport has come. Media reaction was big too. I mean, for Shane to, um, and Brody, I think even for that matter, to spend some time with Dale Jr., um, the, the response perhaps given uh, the hype of what happened in, in Chicago, was significant, wasn't it? Yeah, I, that's where that was the moment, wasn't it? Mm. That changed everything. We came into Chicago. These guys didn't even know who Shane Van Gisbergen was. You know, they are very much aware of him and also the internationals now that want to come over and play. They've got a new respect for what their skill set is. But Indianapolis was always going to be a bit of a different thing, wasn't it? Because it was a track where the local guys already knew their way around. They'd had a few races there before. 
It was a normal road course, not a street circuit like the one that Shane had. He's went out. There was no rain as well, things that were always going to tip in Shane's favour. So very different to what we had in Chicago. And that's why we didn't see Brody or Shane just get out there and, and wipe the floor with them like Shane sort of did in Chicago. But there were some immense positives. I mean, despite the... The crash for Brody, I think, I mean, the way he still came through the field in a in a very significant way, just outside the, the top 20 in the end, I think there's lots of positives to take away from it, isn't there? Hugely. I mean, Brody carried himself superbly throughout the entire week, starting with the simulator at Chevrolet, and they were just gripped with what he, he had to say about feedback and things, terminology that they weren't used to, and you could tell that they were just feeding off him. Mm and uh, the things that he was able to give them in terms of setting up the car. Because what you've got to remember is they don't have, like what we have in Australia, where you have multiple practice sessions and you tinker and you fix things. That car is pretty much set. Once you arrive at the track, you change very minimal things. You have one practice session, one qualifying, and then bang, into the race. And Brody didn't get a test day. He had no other time apart from the simulator time. And then he lost the entire practice session with a, a pedal box issue as well. So he rolled into qualifying essentially having never driven a NASCAR cup car. And then he had his one lap essentially to go and, and do the job. And he, he was seventh out of the 20 cars that he was qualifying with. Hmm. And then he went and did another lap on the same set of tires, got it down to six. And it was like, he just missed that transfer spot to get into the top 10 by one spot. And then it was the next lap he tried and just risked it a little bit too much and, and put it in the fence. He did a great job and driving through the field the way he did finishing 22nd is not a true indicator of where that kid's speed Agreed. was. He hmm. was, on speed with Shane the whole time during that race, if not quicker, through that last stint. He had a top 10 car and a top 10 ability. Can you give us a report card from your standpoint and maybe even what the teams have sort of said on their respective races and race weekends there? From Richard Childress Racing, I think they probably left a little disappointed given that they won at Indianapolis the year prior with Tyler Reddick, but I think they learnt a lot, a tremendous amount. Back-to-back road courses as well because they go straight over to Watkins Glen. Uh, for Trackhouse, the team that SVG drives for, they actually picked up the pole with Daniel Suarez mm. and it was a slow pit stop that cost them the race win because Suarez probably or definitely had the speed over Michael McDowell, uh, but a, a slow pit stop just cost them and ultimately they would have walked away winners of Chicago, winners of Indy mm. with Shane winning in Chicago and then Daniel Suarez winning at Indy. So they were probably a little bit disappointed too. But I think that they, what they've proven is that they've got the speed and they bring in these road course ringers and they've got the ability to challenge for race wins. So I'd be very surprised if we didn't see more of this. Cool. A couple to finish this part of our discussion before we kind of move into to silly season, if you don't mind. Um, you mentioned before about IndyCar being on the bill too. I mean, just an amazing weekend for fans. Did you get to take uh, that in as well or were you kind of tied up on the content side? I mean, that, that is such a competitive series, isn't it? Yeah. I actually, I, I got to watch qualifying from down behind uh, Scotty McLaughlin's pit area, which was Excellent. pretty cool. So I had a good chat to Carly, his wife down there, and just watched Scotty rip around. He didn't quite make it through to the uh, the last part of qualifying. Uh, and uh, the Penske cars in general just didn't seem to quite have the speed that they typically have around that place. Mm. But watching what Scott Dixon did in that race, he got turned around in the opening lap. He was last on the restart, essentially, and just did what he does and with a good strategy, popped out the other side, and all of a sudden it was his race win. Similar to the NASCAR race, Daniel Suarez was the quick guy, didn't win. Graham Rahal was the quick guy and didn't win. Just it was funny watching the way that strategy played out in that one. But what's that, 19 years straight now? Amazing. That won an, an mm. IndyCar race. The guy's just like evergreen, incredible. Yeah. So to be able to be at the Brickyard, you know, it's like a classic. I'll tell my grandkids I saw Scott Dixon win at the Brickyard. Very it, cool. It wasn't the 500, but it still counts. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I mean, he, he <laughs> is just the ultimate um, 
athlete. And I, I think at times in our part of the world, he doesn't always get the recognition that he probably uh, properly deserves, totally. I should say. Uh, Peter Adderton is outspoken at times. I mean, fans can have their own view on that. Whatever you think... He did keep his word. He supported Brody on this project for quite some time now. That didn't seem to really ever waver. Can you see this pair doing something like this again, or at the very least, another NASCAR outing for Brody? I, I think you kind of alluded to that in one of your answers there a moment ago. Yeah, so he had a really good group of sponsors, Mobile X, which is uh, essentially the, the new version that has, it sprouted out from Boost Mobile. Uh, with the same owners, like you mentioned, Peter Adderton, and then also Velo, which are pretty familiar here in Australia, but they're mm-hmm. expanding into America, uh, which is why I think, coincidentally, they've added the I into Velo, okay. uh, because uh, that's all part of the uh, the US expansion there, and Shore and Partners as well. So a, a collection of sponsors that have been with Brody for a while, we, we're familiar with them in supercars, and they've really backed him into what he's doing in America at the moment. And I'd be very surprised if, uh, if Brody wanted to do more of this if they didn't come along with him, because he seems to really click with that little group of partners that he's got. He's very appreciative of the, you know, the support that they give him. Peter Adderton is besotted by Brody. Like okay. you can tell, like they were just, when he got out of the car, he finished 22nd, he's walking back through Gasoline Alley, he sort of got his, his chin down a little bit and his sponsors were around him like family members, hmm. you know, patting him on the back, telling him what, a, you know, how proud they are of him. And uh, so they're extremely supportive. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think if we see more of Brody running in America, I think we'll see similar sponsors on that car. By the way, it looked amazing. It did. It did. Car looked mint. Very cool, and the helmet, um, for that matter, yeah. uh, as as well, mate. Very cool. Now, while you're there, news mm. breaks that his Erebus teammate Will Brown. I know there'd been some rumours and so on, but it breaks that he's going to leave the team. We now know where he's off to. Obviously, can you give us a sense of the the reaction? You're away in the states. Some of the members of the the Erebus team are there with you. What was the kind of response? Yeah, yeah, he had George Commons with him, who's his, mm. uh, his race engineer here in Australia, who was actually very helpful for the team at, uh, at RCR to learn from a, an Aussie supercars engineer. Um, yeah, it was, uh, he did a very good job, really, of just uh, putting his mind forward to what was coming up at the Brickyard mm-hmm. and sort of compartmentalising, okay, well, this is happening. I'll, I'll ignore that for now and just focus on the job. Help that he had 12 hours of simulator time. Yes. <laughs> Probably <laughs> where he could just <laughs> punch gears away and uh, keep hitting the brake and the throttle pedal. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I imagine it could have been a bit of a distraction for him. It probably helped that it happened earlier in the week mm. as well. Like the, the whispers were starting to happen pretty much once we got to America. And then from that point onwards, he was like, okay, well, now I'm just going to focus on going and doing my job at, uh, at Indianapolis. Uh, but it does create a very interesting dynamic, doesn't it, for the mm. rest of the year. I think if they weren't so hell-bent on winning the uh, team's championship as well as a driver's championship, that it could maybe be a bit more disruptive. But mm-hmm. I think we'll see that uh, that that real bromance between Brody and Will probably persist through the rest of the year because they are very clearly good friends. Now, that I fully expect that to change when uh, he goes over to the other mob in 2024. But at the moment, they're very good mates. Um, and everyone keeps sort of pushing them and niggling at them as to when they that stop. But one day, surely, when you're fighting for a championship, you can't be best friends forever. But it's not showing any signs of, of easing up at the moment. No. Funny story for you on my end of the scale. I walked into a garage at Queensland Raceway where I was there for Speed Series and TCR. Will's in there with Tom Brown, his engineer, uh, in the Melbourne Performance Centre pit and so on. And I thought, I'm not going to talk to him uh, about this because he'll, he'll be getting hounded by journos. I just want to catch up with him. So I started to ask him about his pit special plane that he's got. And that, that's a, a sort of yeah. side project that Will's really um, excited about. And I, I, 
you know, started the conversation along those lines, and then, and he looked stressed. He, he said, "Mate, I can't talk about this. I can't. I can't talk about this." And Tom kind of elbowed him and said, "Hey, mate, he's not asking you about anything about where you're going, or what he's asking you about your plane." So he was stressed. And then at three o'clock that afternoon, the news news obviously came out from an Erebus perspective, and then and he put out his own post and and so on. We now know that he's heading to Red Bull. That's come out in the past twenty four hours. How wide are you? You know, can you tell us how wide do you reckon they cast the net for replacements? And while we're on that, a lot of people, a lot of our journalist colleagues for a time thought that Richie Stanaway was the man most likely in the early part of the race if Shane did leave. Um, mm. And that's kind of changed, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, how far do you cast that, that mm. net? I mean, extremely far all around the world. I mean, that is a, that is a seat that anybody would... Uh, would kill to drive in, you know, mm. that's probably the coveted seat that you can go and get probably have triple eight on the door as well. Like it doesn't get any bigger than that. Just about in, in supercars. When you look there is that there are GT teams like Audi, for example, um, folding their operations. So they've got a ton of very talented race car drivers without a seat all around the world. So for them to look in internally into the supercars world and then uh, essentially poach someone from another team that was under contract, is quite a big call. Mm. And it probably serves a big reminder to everybody in pit lane that uh, no one is safe from change. You know, no one is safe from from being picked up mid mid contract and moved in another direction. Should uh, should someone come calling? I mean, Shane hmm. under contract leaving. Will Brown under contract leaving. Hmm. So there's still a lot of seats available, whether it be Groves or there's talk of change at Walkinshaw Team 18. Um, and you go, okay, well, who's off contract? Maybe the question we should be asking isn't, isn't who's off contract. contract. It's just mm. who would be the right fit. We are potentially here in for one of the biggest silly seasons in a long time. In, in, in looking at it, I mean, some teams are upsizing, others look like downsizing. Maybe with the exception of DJR, it looks like most are going to have change of some kind potentially, aren't they? Yeah. So I think DJR, they're locked in, obviously, with Anton and Will. Uh, it looks like they've got sort of Kai Allen waiting in the wings as mm. well, potentially for one day in the future, which is really exciting. And now, now we know who's driving the, the T8 cars. That is it. Mm. <laughs> like the next nine teams down pit lane probably all going to have some form of change. I don't think I, my 10 years working in the sport have seen anything quite like that. It's going to be when we rock into round one next year, mm. a very different looking grid. And it also, you know, a, a life and a grid without Shane Van Gisberg in there. Like, what is mm. what is life after Shane going to look like in the mm. supercars? I think it's going to look fine. You know, we've we've over the last few years, Jamie Winkup, Craig Lowndes, Garth Tander, Scott McLaughlin, Shane Van Gisberg, and all you know, absolute icons of the sport, all gone. Mm. You know, and replacing them is Will Brown, Brody Castecchi, Brock Feeney. You know, all these young, hungry kids coming through. James Golding who are proven to be already, like Bryce Forward, the next wave of guys who are going to stand up and they're going to make their name be counted as well and they've got mm. great opportunities. You know, a couple of kids who started in the Toyota 86s, a, se- a series that's not even seven years old yet, have made it into triple eight already. You know, they're backing the youth. So while people go, oh, you know, the sky is falling, we're losing SVG and all these other great drivers potentially one day, I don't see it like that at all. I see it as let's see the next wave of kids come through. Change is not a bad thing. Look what Formula One's done with mm. George Russell, Lando Norris, like all these amazing young drivers coming through. We have exceptional drivers waiting in the in the ranks in Dunlop Series and Toyota 86 and all these other categories, Porsche Crow Cup, 
ready to go. So bring them in. Great outlook. A couple to finish here because you've been great with your time. SVG, now free to race overseas. Will he do Bathurst? To me, I if it fits the schedule, I can't see him not doing it because he loves it so much. Uh, yeah. It, so it, it depends on the schedule, right? Mm. So he he did say at City Motorsport Park that he wasn't looking to do full-time yet. Mm-hmm. But part-time over there is still probably 20 to Massive. 25 yeah. races a year, yeah. right? So. Yeah. I'd be I'd be surprised if a the schedule is clear enough, mm-hmm. um, and and b like you know we saw Scott McLaughlin make a pretty clean break, didn't we? And yes. he never came back to do a yes. Bathurst. I get the feeling Shane's probably leaning towards doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure he'd love to come back and keep winning multiple Bathurst, as mm. Scotty would as well. But it's just when your focus goes in one direction, putting everything you've got into that opportunity might actually be what's best for him. Final hit out before Sandown and Bathurst when you go to the bend. Um, new cars for the Enduros this year. What things should we get excited about uh, in potential in, in those races? I mean, things that might be different with those Gen 3 cars in the way that Sandown or a Bathurst shakes out. Mm. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of talk about reliability, no doubt. Like mm-hmm. they're the long days to get through, right? 500 k's of Sandown smashing the curbs. That is a big ask for any motor vehicle ever you know like yes our old cars are so reliable because we've had them for what seven years or whatever it was pounding around but these new cars obviously still going to have a lot of teething issues so they're still working out engineering wise a, a lot within the car i'm sure in another seven years they'll be bulletproof but for now it's year one and so they're still figuring a lot of that stuff out so we will see you know we will see retirements we will see big names falling out of that race we could see someone play the smart card and just go a little more conservative and pop out the other end and get a pretty big result. But with four drivers fighting for a championship and 600 points across Sandown and Bathurst up for grabs, I hope, you know, it doesn't affect one of those top four. And I hope we get out the other end and we go into the last two rounds of the championship with all four of them still in contact with each other because it'll make for something pretty special. Just cast an eye forward to Adelaide for a second, Mm -hmm. Rusty. You've got Shane Van Gisbergen having his swan song, his farewell race. Imagine if he is up against potentially Will Brown or Brody Kostecki or even Brock Feeney and how crazy that scenario is going to be. It might just be that final fairy tale Shane moment in a, in a long, long history of fairy tales for that guy when we get Adelaide. Awesome stuff, mate. Great work by you as always. Hope you've been able to get over the jet lag. I think you did a bit of mowing to, to cope with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything to avoid jet lag. If it means mowing the lawn on an eight-degree Melbourne day, then whatever. Well done. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Have a fantastic weekend at the Bend and go get them um, in your coverage of the Enduros as well. Thank you, mate. Could be a bit of rain around at the Bend, so uh, unmissable TV coming up this weekend. Incidentally, who should Erebus go with as Will's replacement? Rumour Mills says Jack LeBrock is in kind of the box seat at the moment. Is there anyone else that you think would fit the Erebus mould? Also, while we're on this subject, there are going to be differing views on Will Brown's decision and his impending departure from Erebus. Some fans are upset given the loyalty that uh, Barry, Betty Clemenko and the Erebus team have shown him and the opportunity that they've given him. To Chad's point, it is a game where change happens. So you don't have to like that necessarily. Maybe you accept change. Let's just remember, whichever side of the viewpoint you're on, and both are fine, when we're on socials dealing with that, let's respect someone else 
who may not share your viewpoint. Little bit of tension in the wake of the Speed Series round at Queensland Raceway. Jordan Cox taking a swipe at Tony D'Alberto following an incident between the Peugeot and Honda drivers, respectively, in the final race. Very early on there in that final race too. Tony did, as you'd expect with TD, put his hand up and apologise for what happened. Now, Jordan implied in a post-race interview that he thought Tony's 10-second penalty wasn't enough and he suggested Tony was no good last year but still collected enough points to win the TCR crown. Tony has responded on socials, something we don't often see him do, saying, this guy has a very short memory and that he never sledged Jordan on TV when the roles were reversed at Winton in June, a situation he says Cox never apologised for. The Bend has been rebranded in the lead-up to this weekend's Supercars round and will now be known as Shell V-Power Motorsport Park. And finally, our Southern Cross Osterio stablemates, Triple M in Adelaide, had a very interesting anonymous call in the past week with the listener claiming to be across a deal that would see supercars sold to the Shahins who own the Bend. Now, some wonder if this was a bit of a PR stunt given all the hype around the US NASCAR trip for Brody and SVG perhaps took away from coverage or the promotional impact in the crucial days leading up to this round, right? Others say where there's smoke, there's fire. Watch this space. That is it for today. We haven't forgotten about two-wheel fans, I promise you. Good news, Jack Miller has agreed to come on the shortcast next month as we gear up and kind of preview MotoGP at Phillip Island. And all the best to a great friend of the show too, Molly Taylor, who's added the RX2 E-Series to her incredibly busy schedule. She's in Germany this weekend for the round of the Electric Rallycross Championship. Go get them. Thanks for listening. Thank you for all your feedback and reviews of the pod too. We see each and every one of them. We'll catch you next week, everybody. Bye for now.